Welcome to Nepal Now. My name is Marty Logan. Deepak Raunier still feels queasy when he remembers the racism he faced growing up in Udaipur district in eastern Nepal. As one of few dark-skinned kids in the community whose mother tongue was not Nepali, he was taunted by children and singled out for beatings by his headmaster. But as a college student looking for part-time work, he soon discovered that journalism gave him the power to uncover the discrimination that pervaded life in the southern Madesh region. Deepak later honed those skills, traveling the country, writing radio dramas for BBC Media Action. In 2010, Deepak and his wife, actress and filmmaker Asha Magrati, decided it was time to start telling stories from their own point of view, with film as their medium. Deepak left his job, and the couple launched Addy Productions. Their first feature film followed in 2012, Highway, a road movie of sorts about the roadblocks of life in post-conflict Nepal. Highway marked the first time an Nepali director had premiered at an international film festival. In this case, the Berlin International Film Festival. Four years later, Adi released its most celebrated film yet, Seto Surya, or White Sun, the story of a village and its people struggling with the legacy of the Maoist conflict. White Sun was Nepal's official selection for the 90th Academy Awards Best Foreign Language Film and took home prizes at the Venice, Singapore, and Palm Springs Film Festivals. The New York Times has called Deepak one of the nine new directors you need to watch. Today, Deepak and Asha live in New York City, where they are finalizing the script of their next project, tentatively called The Sky is Mine. It tells the story of a fair-skinned female police officer assigned to the Madesh in the midst of communal tensions that would soon ignite. Like all their movies, this one is inspired by personal experience, explains Deepak, adding that telling the couple's most personal story yet can be a frightening prospect. If you enjoy this episode, please like, follow, or subscribe to Nepal Now on your podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, give us a rating. You can let us know what you think of the show via social media or send me an email at marty at martylogan, M-A-R-T-Y-L-O-G-A-N dot net. And now, filmmaker Deepak Rauniar. Hi, Deepak. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Marty. Thank you for this opportunity. Nice to talk to you. So you're living, you're based in New York City. Uh, you've been there a while now, I think, right? Yeah, it's been around nine years that we started to come in and do a back and forth. Uh, this time, I think we have been, it's a month, uh, about a year now that we haven't been back to Nepal. Is that is that because of COVID? Were you planning a trip uh, when when all of this uh, started to happen? Yeah, we were planning to shoot a film in fall, and so we were getting ready about it. Uh, also, we we had to come earlier to to start the production, but because of COVID, the shoot has now been pushed for maybe at least summer next year. So we're staying here, writing another film, 
and doing other works in the meantime. Okay, yes. I was going to ask you about that, actually. This is The Sky is Mine. That's the next feature, right? Yeah, that's the next feature. Okay, yeah. And I was wondering if you had already shot it, because I, I knew it was coming up fairly soon. But uh, I'll ask you a little bit more about that in a while. But um, how have things been in New York? I mean, we've been reading a lot about New York with COVID-19. How has it been for you? Uh, the world totally looks, looks different now. Like, uh, it's a new normal. Like, uh, New York, like something like in Nepal, you would have seen people wearing the mask and walking in the street. It was a usual thing. But here in New York, we, uh, a couple of months ago, we could have imagined, but it's a new normal now. Like, uh, I was in uh, Berlin in February uh, where, like, we, ha- we were just hearing about the cases from Italy and people had started to get sick. And by the time I arrived here, border was getting closed and uh, things started to get crazy. We live here in almost uh, Jackson Heights in Queens, uh, which became, uh, New York was the epic center, and this became the epic center of the epic center. So it was really scary around, like, uh, first beginning couple of weeks, and the hospitals were packed. Uh, we just realized one of uh, the staff in our building died and our neighbor was sick. Uh, so it was coughing all the time. So it was really like uh, that anxious time. But New York has really recovered well right now. Uh, the death rate has come to zero and daily life is getting back to normal here. But the country is still suffering a lot. I'm more worried about the family than us that more more worried about the family in Nepal. My parents are in Udaipur. My brother is in Kathmandu. My father-in-law is in Morang, and father-in-law actually is in the 80s. And we're scared, like, if he gets sick, because the way, especially in the eastern Nepal, the hospital refused the patients. And the dark side of society has exposed by COVID in Nepal, really worried like he wouldn't even get to the hospital or, or anyone in family get sick. They wouldn't even get to hospitals and treatment that needed, and that would really affect, and we couldn't travel at right time, so that would, that scares us. Mm, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's strange here. It is, like you said, it's, it's um, you know, a lot of negative things have happened, although luckily... There still hasn't been a big outbreak. There have been some small outbreaks, including in Udaipur district, uh, where your family is. Being in Nepal, we've been waiting for it and waiting for it. And India is, you know, much worse. And uh, the south of the country where Udapai, Udapai, <laughs> Udaipur district is uh, in the Tarai, um, you know, th- that's been harder hit than up here in Kathmandu, but still... Um, it's really uncertain what's what's going to happen here. The lockdown's lifted, but I think a lot of people are still quite anxious about what could happen. Yeah, uh, I can understand that. I totally feel it, uh, especially uh, in Nepal. We were lucky that it didn't hit so hard, like it hit New York or it hit uh, some of the European countries, Spain or Italy. In Nepal, I don't think they are ready. Like a lot of hospitals don't even accept any. Uh, Persons who had a fever, I feel really scared about it. Thinking about family and friends that we have in Nepal. Yeah, it's uh, you know I think 
many of us here are still basically crossing our fingers and just hoping it doesn't get worse uh, before it gets better. Nepal has kind of escaped. Let's hope it can stay that way. I hope your your family and friends are all safe and healthy and that you get to make it here sometime soon. Um, so let's let's shift gears a little bit and start talking about uh, more about you and your career. Um, and I must say that you and I know each other also um, before doing this. We've we've met a few times, and and um, so I consider you a friend as well. Um, but I've also gone and, and done some research. I know that uh, you worked for a few years with BBC Media Action, um, creating ra radio dramas, and you were quite successful. You had a successful team, and then you moved on to if I'm not mistaken, some newspaper work, and you were doing film reviews. And I think at one point you said that you had enough filmmakers come to you who were maybe upset with the criticisms that you gave them and challenged you to do something better than they could do. And at some point you just said, okay, I, I have to take up that challenge. And, and you just started, um, you know, you got into it with your first movie. What I would like to ask you about, and I haven't seen it discussed in any other interview, is to talk a little bit about your earlier years. So did you grow up in Udaipur? Did you, did you grow up in Saptari? For some reason, I think Saptari. Saptari, uh, I was born in Saptari. And my parents uh, really moved to Udaipur for, my father especially moved to Udaipur for business purposes because we were poor. Uh, I think my grandfather was rich. I think he was a very rich man, but he died when my father was only six months old. And by the time he uh, grew up, he didn't even get to school. So he had a really difficult year, problem with brother and sisters. And so really made his uh, life in Udaipur. So I was really little when we moved to Udaipur. And that is Nepali-speaking community around. I come from Maithili-speaking community, looking dark. It was hard growing up. Like the racism was the one thing that I learned very uh, when I was very little inside of her. And I grew up that uh, on that society, knowing like how hard it is to learn them different languages and communicate with someone and not being able to look the same the other looks. Now, Udaipur is actually uh, more like a city, like we call Bhitri Madras in Nepal, the inner Tarai. So, Udaipur has mountains. Uh, Udaipur uh, is after what you call it, Charko Sejari, that forest that we have. Uh, no, Chur it's, Churi, uh, we, I think. Churi, Churi. yeah. Uh, yeah Udaipur, the places we were living were uh, crossing after Churi. So, beyond luxury it's, uh, it's kind of foothill of Mahabharat uh, mountain yeah mm -hmm. Udaipur uh, is a uh, particularly like more a hill community uh, Madhesis are very little and uh, we were only one of the early family that m had moved there so though we had a really supportive community and uh, family that had, were hosting us uh, as a child Growing up in uh, a school where you no one it looks like you and no one speaks your language, uh, I started to get bullied from very early, and that was when uh, I started 
learn about racism and how things are in Nepal. Uh, especially that was the time when uh, I think, if I remember correctly, like it was, we were still in Panchayat, right? I'm, I'm from 78. Uh, so, and even after the Panchayat has ended, we are like the, every village used to have mukhiyas, like this village chief who would lead, lead the villages. And they were brutal, like they were really uh, one kind of like dictators. So they could beat you and you can do nothing about it. You have always to be able to welcome, welcome them, them in your home. So I, I grew up in that environment, one of the environments that really inspired uh, me later to come into cinema. But I did not have exposure of cinema or I had not been to cinemas until I was 13 years old. I was 13 when I was a film in a cinema for the first time. So you're, you're, you're living under this system which is already, as you said, quite authoritarian. And then on top of it, you're being bullied um, because you're, you look different and you speak differently than other kids. I mean, how did you deal with that personally? Did you, did you try to hide from people? Did you get into fights? What kind of, how would you react? Like, I was born in 1978. So uh, I, I think I was there uh, by five years old, seven years old. So I think a couple years uh, before the panchayat ended. That time, like, uh, the first early year, like, we were living in a house of uh, family. Uh, Their daughter also went to school with me. So she was very protective of me. So she would get into fight for me. And I still remember a couple events at that that time, (laughs) which, like, she complained to her father. Her father was quite an influential man, and he complained to teacher and how teacher beat other, uh, other children. But that didn't end. Like she moved to different school, to different town. Uh, she was, I think, sent away for the town in the school. So I then again became alone, growing, uh, growing up, and bullied was not only uh, my colleagues or classmates. One of the uh, person I really remember, I still can't forget, is that my headmaster, uh, who was Madesi Yadav from Sira somewhere. He would bully me more than anyone else. And I, I think now, uh, think about it now, would feel like that he didn't have anyone else to treat like that. Maybe he was oppressed in a situation like that, and he would uh, find me as a scapegoat. And that really pushed me like to not to sit in the first bench, always trying to find the height um, between the classroom, somewhere in the middle, so he cannot catch me because he would come and catch my stomach and pull me and pull my hair, call me a name. So it was really like, I think even thinking about it makes me like, <laughs> don't want to talk about something like that right now. But I think those are the images that never went away. And it's not the family like in the West, right? You can come and complain to your family and family would come to fight for you. In Nepal, is still the family, uh, for family teachers are, are the God. Family do not really talk to teachers, do not really, really care or visit children's school, especially not in the villages. They don't know about it, anything about it. They send children to school and they think they're doing, uh, that's their responsibility and responsibility is gone after that. 
it's not I think the awareness has come a bit more in the city but not in the villages still right so you don't you don't question authority and and uh, authority includes teachers who like you said are, are treated like gods and they can do no wrong because they're supposedly making you into a, a better educated person right yeah and i think it still happens even here again right so uh, is this do you think you were developing at this time uh, the idea that you wanted to kind of change things so this wouldn't happen to someone else like you you know you you saw this personal injustice um racism did you start to think that you needed to do something to end this in society i'm just thinking how you ended up with bbc media action doing you know radio dramas that dealt with various social issues I don't know, like, I think it, I would be lying if I said, like, as a child, I was thinking about all these things, uh, big thing, uh, like, if I want to change or something, but maybe it was in my conscious mind. But I think it's only, de- it started to develop when uh, I came to college in Viratnagar, and I had to find a part-time job, at least, to support myself going to school. And one thing I could find who was inspired by my friend that I started write for newspapers. And that's kind of like, for the first time I realized how journalism has power. Things started since even in my village, because I uh, soon became the reporter from Nepal, already in Nepal. I did, uh, I was a stringer for uh, National Daily, and I started to write about it, and I started to write about even in my about my villages and situation that they were happening there. And I remember things shifting, like remember having feeling that power, feeling that power of uh, like bringing discussion. That's how I get into media. That's how I really was felt uh, that media was something that, or maybe the only thing that can uh, empower me, that uh, I can tell my side of the story, uh, I can provoke conversation, I can question the society that I live in. Right, okay. Do, do you happen to remember any example of, you know, a report that you did on a particular topic that that might have had some impact, like as you were describing? Uh, one of the topic was, uh, there was a doctor in... Uh, our village, who was a Madesi or Indian, Madesi is from Nepal or someone uh, from India. Sorry, let me let me just interrupt again. And I so just to say that Madesh is a, a, a part of the region of Nepal, like the the southern part. Um, it's also known as Tarai, but Madesh is also the culture. I think it's Tarai is kind of the geography. Madesh is the culture, and Madeshi are people who come from that area. Is that basically right? Yeah, I think Tara is uh, what it means, the land. Right. But okay. from the early days, like even Vishishar Prashad Kerala or anyone that would write or uh, talk about, they, they always said that I'm going to Madhis. They never said I'm going to Tarai. I think it has become now more political because Madhisis came on the street and demanding the right to be called Madhisis or they call their area Madhis. So now the hill politics, especially. 
says that there's nobody's and, there, and so not to allow the power uh, but I think it's always been mothers and being mothers is so yeah I was saying so yeah so I was saying that uh, one of the report I had made was like how the doctor uh, was forced to leave the village by the rule uh, elites there so and that report came out and did really like had created like I even get threatened but same time also felt that uh, I had power against the village elite, village uh, this Mukias who is to rule the village and I think uh, we started also having several different conversations and even like being on the radio itself uh, people started talk about like oh he's a journalist and he can report it so that itself like was started to shift power but it didn't mean that uh, nothing else happened after that there's several other incidents happened like my father was arrested for no reason sent to the district uh, there a lot of little, little details kept happening but i at least felt like love with media and uh, felt um, that avenue that i can express myself I can tell my side of the story. Right. And so some of these incidents or most of these incidents, like the one with your father, would have been people from the so-called hill um, hill castes, castes or, you know, the, the, the white, lighter skinned people taking it out or doing something against Madeshi darker skinned people. Is that often how it happened? Um, it was mixed, like it's in Nepal, like, you know, like it's hard to separate uh, poor and rich and Madhesis or hill or sometimes it's caste or gender. There's tons of mixed up. So one way you could also see uh, uh, happening in other part of country is only because it was uh, rich doing something for poor or could uh, be uh, hill, uh, powerful hill men doing something against Madhesis. Like incident, my father, someone asked for, we used to have a horse that I had really deep relationship with. And one night, my uh, my neighbor's baby horse came to our home and somehow when he returned, he died. Sorry, and who died? The, the... the baby horse, what, what do you call hey. it? Uh, yeah. The foal, the foal. Yeah. Okay. So uh, first he came to our home, like what do you call the place that the horse is kept? We call stable. Tabela, stable, stable. Yeah. yeah. So it came to uh, uh, our, our house near and went back and somehow in their home, somehow he was found dead next day. Uh, so it get mixed up with like a guy who had asked for horse the earlier day now making who has no relationship this uh, dying on a horse anything makes a complaint they come all come uh, together to file a complaint about my father killing that horse and he getting arrested and sent out to district which is like uh, at least 10 hour walk from there not even the local police system but he's been sent to the district police 
So I had to come from Kathmandu, gather everyone, and go through the process. There was no proof that he was involved in killing or anything. It was only to show the village's power that, uh, or the, the elite's power that if you don't deny what we ask for, see how we can punish you. Okay, okay. So it, it, it makes sense, yeah. yeah. No, no, it, it, it does. And so as a journalist, it sounds like you had lots of opportunities to talk about um, these these things that were wrong about the society you were living in. Yeah, there was a lot of... I did report about this, this or any personal event like that, but those are the events, uh, I think, forced me to think about uh, the society or question the society that we live in, like why that happens to us, why this happens, uh, or why this exists in, in any way. And that really increased my interest for media and I started to work for uh, I work for TV. I work for uh, newspaper. And you, like you mentioned, uh, BBC was the last part of my journalism, or uh, I think, say, media work, uh, other than cinema. Um, before BBC, I had uh, worked for the National Delis in Kathmandu, and and I had already realized that I had to move to the film. So in 2004. Five, I had uh, left a job in Nepal, Samasar Patra, as a text editor, a reporter, and had joined Srinivitar Sherpa, a director, to assist his film in Karma. So BBC came two years after that, in 2007, when BBC was trying to do, uh, looking for people to do radio dramas. That came as a turning point for my life, uh, which also gave me a platform to learn and explore uh, refine my storytelling skills, know my country better because it allowed us to travel and explore. We were working with uh, non-actors. We were making dramas on current affairs. So we'd go to villages, cast uh, uh, like non-actors and work with their stories, improvise the drama, record and edit and bring. Every, every week we produce two episodes of drama. And that really forced us to practice our storytelling and explore. One of the techniques that I learned then, uh, improvising, I still use in cinema. And additionally, what we, what it happened was like 2009, we became best non-English output in the whole BBC, also best team of the year. And that really gave me a courage that I could do something in cinema. Yes, uh, I, I've seen that. I, I, I saw a clip of that. Um, and I also rewatched uh, a couple of your features, and Highway is one of them I rewatched recently and saw that there, the actors there were improvising for the most part. Um, so that's something that you, you started using first with BBC, right? Yeah, I started using that from BBC. I worked for BBC from 2007 to 2010. And I was also lucky to have a partner who was also interested in cinema and theater storytelling. And in 2010, we decided together that uh, I would leave my full-time career job and we start a company to make, start making our own films. By the time we had done two short films, while in BBC, I did my first short called Threshold Socket, which was uh, which became the opening film for Kathmandu International Mountain Festival Kathmandu, and also traveled quite well for festivals. And then we did a short film called Puja for BBC itself. Um, so in 2010, 
uh, I ended my three-year career with BBC to start my one production company. Okay. And what, one of the things I noticed re-watching a couple of the films is how strong your women characters are. And I'm sure other people have said this to you. So Threshold is a film about women. It's basically two, two women main characters. Um, and then in Highway, I think the women characters are uh, at least as strong and prominent as the male characters. And then again in uh, White Sun, um, the main female character is, uh, is again, very strong, independent. And near the end of the movie, she's the one who manages to bring some assistance so that uh, they can complete the cremation of the, of the father. Where, where do the, these strong women characters come from? Is it, again, this idea of seeing how society treated women badly, or is it from some other personal experience that you had growing up? I'm glad you brought this up, uh, especially it didn't, uh, does not get talked a lot about in Nepal. Like I'm, I, I think only rarely a couple of people notice it. And also like uh, I started, it mostly was uh, subconsciously, more than consciously. And then I started to realize what, what was I was doing it. I was actually editing a, a reel, uh, my directing, directing reel a couple of days ago and was putting all the works together. And as I was joking, like how <laughs> all the films had uh, have these female characters and how my work looks gender motivated, like more gender focused. But I think insp inspirations, I think, comes from, the, uh, of course, the how I grew up. Uh, because one of the first characters that I remember writing for BBC drama where I was exploring was Barmajia Bali, uh, which was inspired by my uh, brother's wife, my uncle's first son's wife. I had a nice relationship with her and we were communicating and like seeing like in how our mother's society uh, women are treated so that uh, and that was the character that I was adapting, Chaukaj, with Barmese Bali, which is a female character, uh, the female lead in the Chaukaj. So this all came through, like even the character in White Sun and Highway was inspired by real life. That has impacted on me. One thing, uh, once I realized I started to do it deliberately was my muscle films had one character called Pooja. Hinduism like like to say that there is we respect it because we really respect women. And that's why uh, we puja them. But in reality, if you see like how do we pray for God? Where do we keep the keep the God? It's like we keep the God in the walls. We start and put the statues of God or pictures of God. And what that means is the God never gets to talk to us. We put in certain place in our home and God never gets to question us. We come and do fasting for them or we uh, offer them something. And that feels like equivalent of like how we treat women in our society. We want a dutiful wives. We want a dutiful daughter who does not question. Yes. Doesn't ask for anything. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly some of your 
your your main characters do do question and they're they have strong voices and that that leads me to something else i was thinking about i know that currently you're doing uh what's called the baratnagar film workshop uh if i'm not mistaken it's an eight week week long uh workshop that's probably about halfway or just a little more than halfway finished now yeah we are i think we have our, our fifth class tomorrow Okay, and one of the things I noticed when I, I was looking for information about it was that a description of the workshop, I think maybe I saw this on Instagram, called it an initiative to explore and nurture conscious voices in Nepali cinema. And that really hit me because it, you know, it goes along with this idea of shining a light on things that could be improved in society, things that aren't working, uh, racism, the treatment of women, etc. Um, so my question is, I mean, for you, does cinema have to have a social mission? Is it always more than entertainment? Uh, maybe it's, uh, I, I'm coming from a background of journalism, and for me, always felt like cinema is not the only entertainment. Could be entertainment, the medium, I think. Uh, and as much as I get exposure of European cinema or even Asian cinemas like uh, Ozu or Kurosawa or even in India, Ray, uh, the films uh, are something like if you talk about West uh, here in the US, especially uh, making a film. Felt, uh, cinema can do more, much more than entertainment. If cinema is stronger of a society, if art is stronger of a society, you see difference in the society itself. In Nepal, uh, because we are dominated by uh, Indian cinema, especially the Bollywood cinema, not uh, even the better part of Indian cinema, uh, what and our schools, uh, our colleges, universities still ignores cinema. And we don't get to talk about cinema in our dinner tables. We don't talk in the families. We don't critically look at the cinema. Uh, and that really, I think, feels, uh, reflects that in our daily lives as well. I think cinema can do much more than that if consciously made. So one of the reasons that and uh, I got into cinema was that that allows me to question or create a question, the society that I live in, reflect on the society that I live in. Not that I want, uh, my main goal is to entertain people. I'm not an entertainer. I'm here to ask questions. I'm here to explore a society that we are living in. If it makes sense anyway, that's my main mission for being in film. My main motivation was that it allowed, uh, it gave me a power to really recreate the experience uh, and bring it to people. So that allows or like encourages them to questions about the society we live in. And so do you feel that that, that power you have is greater than the power you had when you were writing for the newspaper or doing Radio Nepal? I mean, does this, does this medium with the visual part of the medium give you even more uh, influence? Uh, ideally, I do feel uh, it gives more influence uh, than journalism had given me. 
because journalism is all about information, providing information. What cinema can do is create an experience. It's one thing to hear about uh, what happened in Chitwan National Park and how Japan's were uh, uh, Japan's house were burned. Another thing is to be in that village and watch it. What happened? Cinema can create that later part. It can make you transport you to that village and force you to watch what happened to Japan's and make you question if it is the really the society that we want. That's a that's a good explanation, um, and that leads me to this next question, which is, you've been making movies now for about ten years, and you know, as you said, you want you want to raise issues, you want to raise questions, you want to provoke discussion and dialogue, and you you know, your your movies have been very successful, getting more and more successful each one. Do you feel like you're having that impact that you're, you set out to create? Are people having discussions? I mean, I'm sure people come up to you and talk to you um, at, at festivals and, and that kind of place, but do you feel like you and maybe other filmmakers and artists are starting to have an impact on society as a whole? It's hard to see in black and white. One thing is not, uh, I think, uh, we have seen impact in the last 10 years. Had changed a lot 10 years ago, uh, or let's say eight years ago, when I released a Highway uh, for in Nepal, and four years later when I released White Sun, I could see the difference in our audience or see the society and how we converse about the film. The tone was different. In a, during highway, if I was in a street, I could have been beaten because people were uh, there was a huge number of people who were angry about it. The tolerance had increased by Watson, but uh, same time saying been saying that one thing is uh, noticeable is that for someone like me or Min Minbam or someone else coming and making a film. It's making a film for one film in four years or five years. We cannot make one every year. We don't have any financing in Nepal, any support in Nepal. We have to do another job or be in a different country where you can sustain to continue making films. That was the discussion that we were having yesterday uh, also with our head of our film board, the new, uh, new head of our film development board, Saying like how you could support art, like you talk about Canada, like Marty, where you come from. Also, uh, talk about where I'm living in the U.S. or European countries. Art is or cinema is always supported by state, or like state aggressively promotes uh, debate or discussion. That is not happening in Nepal. One of the reasons that we started this workshop, feeling that it's not enough only us making films. So. We need to nurture other people. We need to nurture young young people to bring stories, different stories from different parts. And uh, consciously, not only nurturing only one community of people. Because it's uh, like really simple to say, or like not say, same is not the right word, but I think say, I feel sad like saying like, 
we don't have a, even a, a strong female ca- director still now. We don't have any director from Dalits community. We don't have any director other from uh, like a strong coming from a Desi community. These voices are important. And we're doing nothing about bringing those community be able to share their stories. So our workshop uh, in, uh, in one way uh, is for ourselves, like uh, we can, three of us came together, me and my wife, Asa and Abhaskar, Gautam in Kathmandu, supported by an organization called North South Collective in Biratnagar, where Bhaskar is the chairperson. Uh, to do this pre-workshop, where uh, we, what we plan is like take two uh, fellows every summer and nurture them for a year, help them to do their first film, and hopefully in a couple of years we can bring a couple new directors. We're not overly ambitious, but we're hoping that every workshop brings at least a couple of directors that are prominent, that com- continues making films, questioning the society, the society we live in. Okay, that certainly sounds like a good, a good objective for that um, for that workshop, and it'll be a it will be a challenge, I'm sure, also to succeed. Um, but best best of luck with that. I, w- I wanted to ask you, you know, looking at your film, the last film, White White Sun, and how much the theme of the war, the just ended in the movie. Um, civil war with the Maoists between the Maoists and the state. How how prominent that was in the movie. Do you think that Nepal can move ahead without discussing the war, the aftermath of the war, and the issues of the war? Because it seems to me, as someone who's who's lived here now, who came here just at the end of the war, and then went away and came back again now, three years ago, four years ago that there's a tendency people just want to go go on in society as a whole there just doesn't seem to be any consciousness any desire to revisit the war i mean do you think that it will it would be possible to kind of suppress it and move on to better things or is there going to be a need to really rip off the band-aid and and look what's underneath Watson was an exploration to see what were, what were the silver linings of the war, how the society had sensed, how our villages have sensed, and if the scar is still permanent there. There was we were trying to look and document in a certain way that even from a couple years, uh, several years from now, we can look back on that time. Because the narrative of Kathmandu right now is that uh, war did... Uh, War was total wrong, and war happened for no reason. And our society, like you said, uh, I think especially like the elites in Kathmandu who controls the media, trying to push one kind of narrative, like we don't question, like we only, we not don't question our national army who killed more than Maoist. We don't question our Nepal police who, like, in recent years, killed more than 100 people in Madhesi areas for the protest. So impunity, like, uh, you can do anything and you don't get punished, has to end, or at least we have to look into it, like, and a culture of, like, it's not only about the war, also after what happened after that. 
So it's something that we should be talking about, discussing about, and how we should be moving and making a just society. I think we're ignoring it. And it's largely also because of the narrative that we create through our media's narrative that we create, or, or places that, or very little places that we have for discussion. Hmm, yeah, I was, I was going to ask you, after White Sun, which was a big commercial success, did, did you have anyone from Nepal uh, come to you and say, this was a great entry point into these issues, and I really want to do something to continue the work that you did in White Sun. Like you've, you've now lifted the lid off some of these issues and the legacy of the war. Let's try to lift it up even further. Uh, sadly, I didn't. Like I even attempted to have uh, screenings in universities, having uh, wider screenings in villages to have a support for that screening, at least to have a have discussions around it. Uh, even trying myself, I did not have that success. Like even like when I requested a school, uh, they would. Uh, reply in saying kind of like they're trying to do a favor to me and you spend four or five years making a film you cannot spend another five years or ten years promoting the same film without being paid i didn't get a single request well that's disappointing to hear um i mean hopefully as you said society had changed between your first full-length feature highway and then this one four years later so let's hope that by the time your new movie comes out, things again will have advanced and, and there will be a different kind of reaction if you approach people and, and offer um, to, to have screenings like that. No, I was just saying, like, uh, I hear the pandemic has uh, interesting silver lining, the impact in the ball that many people were home and they were watching films. I was surprised that uh, four years ago when we released White Sun, we had reviews like uh, some of them, uh, some of them film, uh, cinema and some of them scene subject, like a sensitive, uh, unsensitive film on a sensitive subject, where discussion where the, the people were mad about it. But four years later, I was uh, watching a couple analysis made during the pandemic who were really appreciating of the film, cinema and analyzing every bit of it. So I can say that I had changed. I saw even a uh, congresswoman, uh, a representative, uh, cop, uh, retweeting a pirated link of White Sun that she liked it. So I did see, like... <laughs> that's the best, that's the best uh, vote, vote yeah. of confidence you can get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your are MP like... doing something illegal to promote your film. Yeah. But I think I was happy, like, at least, like, that generation of people, that group of people even watching pirated links and, and uh, talking about the film. There was a lot of conversation in Twitter happening, in Facebook happening off-ground during pandemic that they had watched a pirated copy of the film. They might not have watched it if I had approached earlier uh, with a link giving myself. So I do realize that change is ha happening slowly and maybe the pandemic has a silver lining at that. I hope like we soon realize that cinema is not only the medium of entertainment. Uh, 
it, it can have a better impact in the society if we, if we did consciously uh, use it. Okay, okay. Uh, let me ask you another question. Um, you're, I think it's fair to say that you're known as, uh, at least outside of Nepal, you're known as a Nepali director and this very accomplished Nepali director and the Nepali director who made this and who made that. And I'm wondering how you feel about that, you know, always being labeled the director almost a representative of a country where at the same time you 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 have a lot of reasons to be critical, right? No, was, I think uh, Nepal is my country and where I was born, so I don't really have difficulty on being called Nepali director. I think Madhis is one reason and where I belong to Madhis. I come from that ethnicity and that I always be. At the same time also, uh, national, Nepali national. So I don't find difficulty in that, and I shouldn't be. Uh, there is no reason, I think. And But it becomes difficult, like, when people try to, outside, expect you to be the ambassador of the country, wherever you go, and the screen of him, and they want to know more about Nepal, and they start questioning about uh, the country and situation, and what you have not very much good thing to talk about. Uh, that sometimes creates complexity, but also I have seen um, uh, majority the positive uh, feedback, like there was a film, uh, even though they see the fault lines, uh, most of the people were interested to visit the country and want to know about the country, know more about the country I have. Uh, uh, several uh, messages where someone has watched the film and gone to Nepal and wrote me back after again. Right. Okay. So f fair enough. Then that's uh, if so, you know if someone asked me about being a Canadian journalist, I would I would probably have a similar a similar answer. Right. You're you can be yeah. critical about your country, but you 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 still are of that country and it's your home. It's your home and you're born there. I think that's that's something that never can be changed. Like even may, maybe one day I may get citizenship of another country or I have a passport some, somewhere else. But even then, uh, something that won't change is that where, where, where your birthplace, right? Where you're born, where you grew up, uh, with the society that you lived in. And that informs a lot of things that we do and uh, what we are today. I feel like definitely, yeah, I agree with that. Do you do you ever feel you know about being this the a Nepali director and one of the most internationally well known Nepali directors? I mean, do, does it do you feel that pressure that you are representing Nepal? Um, I mean, does the next movie? Do you feel like your next movie has to do better than the last one did? Because that's that's the tra trajectory so far, right? I mean, your each movie has become has been a little better received internationally. Do you think the next one also would it be a failure if it didn't didn't go up another step? I didn't. I don't feel really a, like a pressure of being a, a director from a certain uh, one country, like being a Nepali director that I have to do another film, and that's it. Carry Nepal. 
more larger and more, I think I'm focused on my personal experience or my personal voice, what I want to talk about it. And I'm more concerned about how good I can that bring that uh, on a screen, what kind of experience that I could create. And of course, like any filmmaker from uh, one to another film wants to be more mature, want to do better work, but I don't think that is always possible. Uh, it's uh, one film to another, it's a different film, uh, a different context, and you are different, like five years ago, what I was. I'm a different right now, I'm not the same person. We're evolving every every time, every month, or every day. And even if I did White Sun right now, or a Highway right, right now, would we do differently? These are the things like I think about, like I'm answering right, but I do not feel that pressure. But sometimes I also think about that uh, conversation that we were also having, uh, having yesterday, that there should be more films from Nepal, there should be distributed more. Even for myself, like uh, Highway was released in two countries and did only uh, some digital release internationally, while some got really, uh, had a theoretical release in about 15 countries. Uh, was reported and uh, reviewed internationally. Uh, I would want more from the next film. I would want the films, I would be happy if it is uh, released theoretically more than uh, those 15 countries that Watson had. Had a theoretical release, in, uh, good theoretical release in the US or something like new territory like China or yeah, European countries or we also have access to Gulf countries. Uh, so uh, uh, my hope as a filmmaker is always to grow larger for sure, but not because that I feel pressure that I'm the only filmmaker coming from Nepal, I'm asked to do this. Uh, gladly we also have other people making film from Nepal. Minmam did really well uh, in festivals. Uh, he is doing new film as well. There's a new... Sorry, uh, what? I think, What's his second name? It's Min, right? M-I-N. And his second Min, uh, Yeah, Min Bahadur Bham. Okay. Bham. He's from Karnal region, Mugu. And we have Puja, Gurung, and Bibusun uh, coming with new feature. They are also, uh, I think they have shot half of the film. Their short film called Dadyag did really well in the festival circuit. Uh, and there are other couple people who are in process of their, doing their first feature. Are you ever surprised at how quickly you've succeeded? For me, looking at your career, like I said, 10 years, more or less, you've done now two full-length features and you had a couple short movies. Each one is, is having a better, a better reaction, better received internationally. Does, did you expect it to go this well? Uh, of course, I did not plan or had, didn't know much about it because when I was doing Highway, uh, I didn't know how my interest market functions even and how festival works. But I did uh, have a dream that I was feeling that should premiere at one of the major festivals. That is the only way you can get exposure for the cinema that you really wanted. And that can uh, allow you some distribution internationally. So Highway taught me that, especially Danny Glover and Justin Barnes, 
in New York, the Liberty Films uh, support really helped me to get that. And with, they also produced my second feature with um, um, learning from a highway and coming back after that, doing a lab like in Toronto, Toronto Film Festival, or Bernalani Talents, or going to Cannes Film Festival's uh, Atelier program, Cine Foundation program. That allowed my exposure and the maturity you can see White Sun. And I think that will be more mature. I hope it, my third will be more mature than the second one. But also sometimes I'm scared because it's more personal. It's back into my own community where I was born and looking at the Madhesi protest uh, of 2015, where more than 50 people were killed. Not a even seven or eight policemen were also killed. Looking beyond the reason of the violent protest, why people were protesting like that. So exploring that, exploring the race uh, or gender issues in our society, especially racial issues that we, I don't think uh, even in Nepal, we realize that we have racism. Uh, outside Nepal, I think no one knows that Nepal is a country that goes to racism. This is something uh, international issue right now. So I want to explore that in the cinema, uh, the question of nationality, question of racism, or gender in my next film. Uh, the movie is going to be called The Sky is Mine, right? That's a working title right now, made sense, but uh, that's, uh, that's the title that we have now. Okay, okay, and I saw this blurb, I guess you call it on, I think on your website, uh, social and racial inequality, suppression of women, and the advancement of feminism are explored in a pressure cooker political thriller. It sounds like Deepak Raunier exploring some of the, the hidden negative parts of Nepal, but kind of on steroids with action. And is it is it an attempt to link an issue-based movie with a more kind of fast-moving story? Would that be a way to describe it? Yeah, uh, what did happen is like with Highway and White Sun, we uh, did have really good festival success. And also White Sun got released, released to about 15 uh, countries, theoretically, which had never happened to Nepali films earlier because we didn't uh, used to get theoretic releases in this country and we had reviews in the newspaper like New York Times, BBC. We got the exposure widely that also helped my career. But meantime, like it's hard to make a film for four or five years and not make any money. And so, and also like one other thing is like even in Nepal, it did not reach to uh, like because Nepal does not have alternative way of screening, it's only the commercial cinema that you're competing with Hollywood or Bollywood. It's hard to exist in the cinema for a long time. We got opportunity to release twice, but both times it didn't last more than two weeks. So a lot of people didn't get to watch it. And a lot of people still complain about, uh, about it, but we don't have alternative mediums to release in Nepal. Release in Nepal. With this, uh, Sky is my attempt to look at the gen uh, genre of cinema, explore the genre in social issue backdrop. So to give you an example, it would be something like 
Uh, Spike Lee has been uh, trying for a long time, has done for a long time, something like Akira Kurosawa used to do quite earlier in time. So something like that uh, style, uh, what I was trying to explore is a police detective uh, cinema, but that explores the social issues. So it's a, a film about a deputy superintendent who is transfer, uh, promoted and transferred to a Madesi region in the midst of protest. Sees light skin, um, but meantime also a female who has to fight uh, because in Nepal police, female are less than 5%. So she has to fight to get that position. She is herself a minority in the department, but she has a blind spot. She does not understand the racism and she's the, like, like all of others us that went through the same school. So she comes to this place where she does not understand the reason of protest, why people have to protest like that, why this is that violent, she doesn't sympathize it. But once she's forced to go beyond her comfort zone into the society, uh, what we see is how she developed of understanding it, uh, of the depth of the society, complexity of the problem, understanding, seeing mothers from different angle, different light. And as an audience, I, my hope is that we also see something that what she sees from her eyes, we look to society from her, her perspective, but in, uh, in a setting of a genre film where we also can attract a larger population of the country, so more people come to see it because it's important also subject-wise that people get to see that can create, if they understand the issue that Madhisis are going through, uh, I'm hoping that can create some kind of bridge between the societies. Right. Well, I'm, I'm certainly not surprised that uh, your lead character is going to be a woman um, yeah. <laughs> based on the Actually, uh, all three uh, lead characters are female. Oh, three, all three in this film. Yeah, uh, even more more interesting than, and certainly the timing is good uh, in terms of what's happening around the world, as you mentioned, right? So, the Black Lives Matter protests that started in the U.S. and have spread globally around the world. Yeah, around the world now, Dalit Lives Matter, even here in Nepal and in India, obviously, um, and there's a lot of a lot of talk on Nepali social media about these issues. So timeliness, it's the perfect time to do a movie like this, I think. Yeah, for me, it was also like, uh, it is my third feature. And for me, it was finally a time to get back to home. Because I, uh, I didn't feel confident as a, first film, uh, as a first feature to deal with the subject that I grew up with. So after doing Highway and White Sun, Highway did touch that subject a bit. Uh, was kind of a soft plot, uh, which some people get it, some people don't. Uh, it's about a band coming from uh, Elam and how the other uses the band to uh, arrive at Kathmandu and abandons them. It was reflection of the uh, Madhesi politics and how Madhesi, uh, after Madhesi movement, Madhesis were used to get 
was help for others to get into government, and then they were abandoned. The whole issues were abandoned. So there was a reflection of that, but I think uh, this is uh, coming back to the home and dealing something indirectly and more uh, focused way. I know you've said before that living in New York helps you be more objective about uh, Nepal and what's happening in Nepal. But at the same time, this movie, because it's about your your place, your culture, if I can use that word, is going to be also more personal. Um, so, I mean, do you, do you feel good about doing something that's closer to your own experience? Or are you also a bit worried about about not having that distance from the way you have with the other ones? Um, yeah, like I said earlier, like because it's being a, a personal, I'm also scared about it, dealing with, but I had I, I already been like pushed it for so long. So I think it feels like the right time. But at the same time also, I do have some distance because I'm not living there right now. I'm further away, and I can see, uh, get involved in day-to-day Black Lives Matter protest-like thing and reflect the things that were happening there and see in the broader way, not be only uh, subjective um, to the, what was happening to me personally. So it had the combination of both, like on the distance and being able to look objectively and also being personal. Right. And and your your fear, if I can call it that, is it, uh, are you worried that Nepalis will see this and think, you know, you've you've gone too far, you've exaggerated things, you're, you're um, shaking a hornet's nest, you're, you're bringing up all of these divisive issues. Is, is that your fear? Or is it that the movie just won't be as attractive to the audience? I think it's mixed. Uh, one thing is like, it's really hard to do a film about your, something very close to you. I think you start losing uh, the objectiveness. And that's, uh, I think, one fear that I have. And also like it, because that, that it took me so long a year to write it. But I feel good about the script that we have now. We're finalizing it. And uh, I do think uh, that it could create, uh, like other could feel like that, I'm exaggerating or creating and bringing the trouble, dividing the society. But that's not the intention for me. And I think that's always come from the elite who holds the power. So I'm not really uh, worried about them. My aim is to reach as much as possible people to show this film, which I feel will create the bridges between the communities, make people understand each other better. rather than creating, like, divide. So do you think Nepalis are more, in a sense, mature, more ready for this kind of movie now than they were four years ago when White Sun came out? Uh, I feel so, like, or 10 years ago when a Highway came out, uh, like, uh, eight years ago when a Highway came out. I think society has changed a lot, but also, like, I'm looking in, like, uh, I'm not making a film about angry uh, protesters uh, directly from the pros- protesters' perspective. 
and looking this is a film about a heel woman coming to play and, and learning things and uh, her beliefs, beliefs getting challenged so still i'm not doing a film uh, i don't think that is a time still to do a film it's totally on a Madesi, uh, angry Madesi character and bringing into society, I think that will still be pushed, not watched. So I'm still trying to look at them, uh, society. My own society trying to look at it from the external point of view is because it's inspired by my marriage. It's inspired by uh, how uh, Asa and I got together and Asa's uh, understanding about the society that I come from was different and how we started living together. and how Asa was forced to interact with other things and how her, her perspective changed over time. So inspired by that, Asa being the inspiration and she's the one who will play the character. So I feel like she can bring her own real experiences to the character. Okay, well, you just opened a big door there for me. Um, can you, are you comfortable saying more about that and about Asha and you know, your relationship, where she's from, where where you're from, and how there might have been some tension in the beginning? Asa was born in uh, Khotan, which is a hill, and she grew up in Dharan, and now her family lives in Moran, uh, which is close to Biratnagar. It's a district. Uh, Birat is also a district Moran, still a part of Moran district. But this is a village called Belbari. So she, uh, sorry, got, she she comes from a, fair to say she comes from a hill community? Yes, yeah, she comes from a hill community. Okay. And she, she used to be a theater artist and she was doing theater when we got into a relationship. And I started to live together. Uh, we did not have personally the, uh, um, like tension about being Madesi or Bardi among us because I think we were both artists and we had lived in different life to understand the subject. But for her coming from Hill, who uh, lived in Dharan, close to Biratnagar, or let's say Narwa, or Itari, she still ha did not have a deeper ex uh, understanding about the trouble that we go through on a complex uh, society the Madhesis has, which I have seen se in several of my party friends. Like someone grew up in Hetorda would not know about online guns. Would not know, I'm sorry, know. would not know about what? Um, I'm guns, I'm, I'm like a couple of kilometers further away. Right, okay, okay, I see. So one, because one is more, one is almost exclusively uh, hill or pahadi, as it's called, hill culture, yeah, yeah. and the other one is Madeshi culture, and there's yeah. a, they're close together, but they never meet, in a way. They never meet, like they would never interact, or the schooling they get is like saying that we are Indian, immigrants living in their land. So they, like our schools, like never talked about us. Our course book never really mentions us. Like I don't know now new courses, like if they had any chapters that talks about us. But when I was going to school, it never mentioned. We only talked about uh, Tapas who fought for us in the war for Nepal or Gurgan Singh or someone else, or how Gorkha kings were superhero. Uh, we did not talk about the complexity of society. So I don't blame them, uh, but that's a reality. And you do not understand the complexity of the society. So uh, when Asa and I got together, because 
Uh, and we start, like for her, uh, it was totally a new order when she started to explore and started to get interacted with. And because she being my partner, wife, uh, she had to get into fight every day, like every every time, because you know, like someone close to you get insulted, you can fear, and that burden came on her. Because for me, I was growing up uh, like that for long years, so I was used to it. As I used to drive, she had the motorbike, and I would sit her in back. Uh, I have been arrested for carrying a laptop computer in Thabatali, and the, the police officer wanted a bill for me to show the bill uh, to prove that it's mine because he thought, thought that I stole it. And so I also had to get uh, into fight for that. So I think those are the experiences uh, is, uh, I think inspires this cinema. Yeah, I, I understand that. And, you know, listening, listening to you talk about that r- reminds me about so many stories I've heard recently about the U.S. And, and Black Lives Matter, right? And how people are being treated differently because of their skin color. In Canada, where I come from, indigenous people, you know, same, same thing. There was a recent, there's a recent uh, issue that's been discussed where uh, indigenous people go to the hospital with some sort of illness um, and the medical staff just assume from the symptoms that they're drunk, that they've been drinking, because they have this stereotype that indigenous people drink a lot. And so they don't they don't give them the proper treatment. And people have even died because of this, because of the stereotype, right? And the way people yeah. treat you. So yeah, I can I can understand how how she would have reacted and wanted to protect you and how outraged she would feel that you were being treated that way. And the same time, for you, it's just everyday experience, right? Yeah, for me, it's like everyday experience. And I think I could, uh, I had learned to ignore it. But being her with her, she started to notice it. Or that forced me to notice it again. So this film is kind of like attempt to see in life from her perspective someone who did not know about the racism, someone who did not understand that there is racism are coming from outside and when forced to that life, how she reacts to it by the end of the film, you see how develops the understanding there is a problem. I think we're not going to sense anything from this film, but what our attempt is to at least to make people understand there is a problem, something that we need to deal with. Well, you know, I've said it myself and a lot of people are saying that this pandemic time is a time for regeneration, reimagining, doing things differently, right? And so it seems that that again seems another reason to be doing this kind of movie. Yeah, I really believe in the philosophy of like one of the great filmmaker, French filmmaker Robert Bresson, make visible what without you might perhaps never have been seen. That's been my motto. To do something, expose something that might perhaps uh, never be made if we don't do it. Never, never be exposed if we don't do it. 
Because if we didn't do it, I don't think in many years anyone else could come and do it immediately. Uh, right. So in, in a way, the two of you, you and Asha, you have this great experience, this personal experience. You're the perfect people to do this film. Yeah, because it's come from our, it's uh, derived from our experience. Most of our films been like that, like either it's Tokate or Highway or Puja or uh, Watson. Um, the basics has driven from our personal experiences. Our motto has been to expose something that uh, we experience or won't be exposed if we didn't do it. Yeah, something that you have personally listened to it, not you're not just assuming it, not not just collecting it from someone else, but something that uh, no one else will do it if you didn't do it. Because I don't know if you noticed, but uh, Watson is a single film at that time. It talks about the silver lining of the war and the complexity of the society and why 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 the war happened in the time. We had several other films being made on that reason. Uh, that time reflecting and I have yet to see any film that talked about the complexity of the war. Right, okay. And and for the new one, The Sky is Mine, tentative title, have you, has the casting been done yet? or We have not finalized the casting. One is confirmed. It's Asa. Right, okay. We'll play it and lead. <laughs> And, but we have other two Madesi strong cast. Uh, secondly, uh, a similar officer, but a junior in post of same age as Asa or with a anger that we still are in process of casting. We also have another female lead that need to be casted. Uh, and uh, another person which is confirmed also is Daya Hangrai. The character that also acted that works in my highway and Watson, he will have another role, uh, character as well, but this time is not the one of the main lead. Is this a bigger budget movie? Does it require more people, more equipment, more everything? Yeah. Budget-wise, also, like from a highway to Watson, was expensive, and this one will be more expensive because it has the backdrop of uh, now also being forced to rethink about it is that um, because of the pandemic, like how the situation will go, it also has a huge cast and crowd and backdrop because it deals the protest. So we're talking about thousands of people on the street. So we also need to figure out how to shoot that. And you said next, now you're thinking shooting next, so this time next year? Uh, could be this time next year, uh, or could be, well, I think, if everything goes well, we would try to shoot in something like late February or March. That's our target, 2021. But if a pandemic pushes badly in Nepal, then our target would be something like summer uh, next year. Yeah, and I guess now being monsoon might not be the best time also. Yeah. So at least, at least like a month or two months before this time. But it also depends on the financing, if we can complete the financing by then. So this is also time to explore like what really the future would look like and what we really be doing. And I don't know, like in six months, if we do the same world, uh, the world look different. But we're hopeful because uh, we have just had a very good French company come on board 
who also be the distributor in France. So we're adding a new country in our map uh, to have a secure distribution cell before the program. That sounds positive. And I saw you also won some sort of funding. Was it from Italy or very recently some euro? Yeah, we won the inaugural like the first um, co-production award by Torino Film Lab. Uh, we were the comp- competing uh, like we were the in the final. We were competing against Brazil and Argentina. Uh, Nepal was the winner for fifty thousand euro, which is I think uh, also again uh, gives us a positive uh, feeling that the script is working and we can be stand in the international market. Okay, well, best of luck. Uh, Thank you. I, I really hope that it all works out, even though it's going to look different. We know that, but um, that you can accomplish what, you, what you're setting out to do. I'm really looking forward to, to seeing that film when it comes out. It's really good to hear that your, um, your movie is coming along and that you know, you're, you're active creatively. I see you're also, from your website, you're producing as well as working on your own. Uh, movies, so that's that's great. Uh, I wish you all the best on this movie and in your other projects. And I really want to thank you for taking the time. I took a lot of your time, but uh, I really appreciate you doing this, Deepak. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Marty. I thank you for creating this opportunity and also to having this conversation like you, this with you. Thank you so much.